0: Our scripture before we go to prayer this morning. Our scripture comes from Isaiah chapter 14, and we will be looking at uh, verses 12 through 16. And this chapter in the book of Isaiah talks about the fall of Lucifer as we continue in our message about uh, Worship 101, our series. And the title of today will be What Happens When We Lose Our Worship. It says, How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, and I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will sin ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down shoal the lowest pits of the depth verse 16 says those who see you will gaze at you and consider you saying is this the man who made the earth tremble and who shook the kingdoms father this morning as we pray before we hear a message father that you have laid on my heart I, I lift up this congregation I lift up this church body all that are here and some that are that can't be here or they're traveling today, Father, I ask a blessing on them. I pray that they would uh, be paying attention uh, to this uh, message because this is not something that I just write and bring, but this is something you inspire me to speak upon. Uh, Father, how important it is that we worship you, not just to draw glory and to bless you, if that wouldn't be enough, but, Father, what it does in our lives and how it, what it does for the kingdom of heaven as we exalt your name and we glorify in your presence, Father, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, people are drawn into a, a place where they deal with your Holy Spirit and they have to reckon themselves with your Holy Spirit. And, and I pray, Father, as your Spirit comes upon them, that they would surrender to your Spirit, and that they would ask you into their hearts to, to, to save them from the sin that is in all of us, that because your word says the wages of sin are death. But the wages of obedience are life and life everlasting, salvation and grace. Father, I pray for the gentleman represented by this quilt this morning. I pray, Father, for uh, uh, just his recovery and, and healing. Father, I pray for a family that we are, are working with and Flint who is uh, starting over and uh, has uh, little to nothing, Father, and the opportunity I've had to uh, share the word with them and and, uh, work uh, a little bit with them, Father, I pray a blessing over that family. And, uh, Father, I just pray now that your message would uh, speak to us, that your words would would search us and know us, Father, and uh, that you would allow us to continue in worship this morning. And I pray these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. All God's children said, amen. You may be seated. Children are dismissed to uh, junior church. I have one uh, quick reminder before I began to preach that I was reminded there's a person in here that's about this tall that I told, maybe about this tall, maybe, a little bit taller than the third graders, but, but the... Um, we're working, she, this is her, uh, uh, one of Dorothy's people that she is working with and the grandmother lives next to her at Donner House and uh, uh, her granddaughter stays and helps out all summer long and uh, I don't know the whole deal and I don't need to know the whole deal but we are helping this family. The mom is getting uh, reestablished and starting over. Uh, she shared some testimony, she's doing well. Um, they have nothing. We took a, a bed I think uh, up there last week and some other uh, stuff. Um, they don't have food. Dorothy's got, you said, three boxes and a comforter. Three boxes in a uh, comforter that I'll be taking up there this afternoon. And um, uh, the, uh, they need food, they need everything. There's a list, I believe, that we published on the uh, uh, email list, I think. I thought that's what we did. Um, or somehow... We can get a hold of Nikki, did we publish that list of things on the email? Okay, it will get published. We got it late this week. So it will get published, or if you have any questions. Or if you want to just donate uh, money, um, we can do that, and uh, they need groceries and so forth. So, uh, yes, ma'am. I did not know that. So did they find a good school for her? I knew they were looking for a good safe school, so they must have found one. So yeah, I don't I was gonna say I don't know a lot, which is probably true, but the, um, uh, I'm working through all of that stuff as I work with them and, and, and uh, pray with them. but uh, um, uh, anyways, that's where we're at. and if you would like to uh, give towards that. Um, we would off, offer an opportunity um, to do that. Um, so, you know what? Why don't we do that right now? And uh, if I could have an Usher come forward, a couple, it would take up a special life. I I feel God putting that in my heart for them today. So, just to see the, the gratitude of this woman and this uh, jail-yess. J- 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 I believe it's how you say the daughters, of what, she's 14, 13, Eleven. 11. I'm glad you're here, Dorothy. The, uh, 11, and she's going to uh, school, and, and they are, it's not a horrible place in Flint, but it's not uh, uh, the suburbs around here either, so um, if we could. Uh, Father, this morning, as we take up the special offering for this family, and we are working with them, Lord, most importantly is the fact that they know you. And I believe they do as I speak with them and I, and I talk with uh, uh, the mother of the situation and, and pray with them. And, and Father, uh, I thank you for the opportunity for uh, uh, the boyfriend or the husband, I'm not really sure of the situation, uh, to already have a job opportunity offered to him uh, through the prayers of the, the people that know about this situation. And uh, Father, today as we uh, take up a, a love offering for this family, uh, I just pray that we give out of the graciousness of our hearts, Father, and that uh, we can help this family get back on their feet. And uh, uh, this is also an act of worship, Father. And I, I thank you and I praise you for this congregation that uh, when you lay this on my heart, I can share it and know that it will be taken care of because these people truly love you and truly follow you, Father. And I thank you for that and the privilege of being here in front of them. I b- ask that you would bless this, use it, to, to help this family get back on their feet and rolling. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. And thank you for that. No, um, see me after and we'll figure that out. We can't, they don't let us do pass-through. I don't know why it's a conference thing. I don't know, I know why, but I'm not going to tell you. So, uh, just because we don't want to talk about that. We want to talk about this. So, I want to read the scripture one more time. And I want to talk to you today. As you know, we've been talking about uh, worship for the past, well, this will make the third week. And um, God has just laid this on my heart the first last couple weeks before uh, this series here. Um, and this is one I didn't really realize was going to be a series. I thought I was preaching one week and God keeps adding to it. And um, uh, it, 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 the first week we talked about, uh, I called the series Worship 101. And um, uh, the first week we talked about the just the understanding of what worship is. You know, because it, it sometimes is very, um, and it still is, even when we understand worship, it's kind of hard to put your, Finger on exactly what worship is, but it's a personal thing um, between us and God that that exalts God and that uh, brings us into the knowledge of His sovereignty and of, of His holiness, His righteousness, His power. It, it, it brings us into the uh, understanding of His place and our place in the world as it works, and uh, and and it's something that um, uh, that that. Uh, as I say, it's, it's sometimes hard be, to explain because we all worship differently. Um, it is not something that has to take place uh, only on Sunday morning. If you walk in here much during the week, uh, we have a new, I'm always afraid to say this word, I say i was going to say pianist, and that can be a little sketchy at times. So I say, keyboard player, John, who's a friend of mine and a friend of Judy's and and you walk in here, and, and this thing, he's practicing. The amount of practice he puts in, uh, he, he should be writing his own concerto or whatever those things Mozart used to do. Yeah. But you walk in here and listen, and he's playing away, and the, the room is just filled with this wonderful music. And he, I know he's very humble about it. He's just doing what he's told, and he's in here practicing. But he comes in, he says, I show up to practice, and worship takes place. And I walk in and I just feel the, the presence and the power. And, and I usually come in and interrupt him and, and uh, just so I can soak a little bit of it in and, and then pray with him. So worship is a... It, it, uh, John's in here by himself, but the Spirit is... I shouldn't say by himself because he, he's not by himself. The Spirit of God is, is rich and thick and permeates this place throughout the week. Um, worship, as I said, often for me, takes place in my truck when I, I get away from a... a the, I try not to answer the phone a, a lot in the truck, but I do. in, in the. But I can just be quiet, sometimes just driving down the road, letting God go through my head and, and thanking him for uh, where he has brought me So uh, to. Worship is different for all of us. There's no correct or incorrect way or method of worship. It's where God has us. I know some people I hear all the time, well, we stand up too long. And I'm like, well, you, that's not a big deal. Sit down, uh, and you'll be fine. We won't. Nobody will come, and the church police will not come and write you a citation if you can't stand up through all the music. And uh, well, I don't feel like lifting my hands. Well, that's fine too. Do what you want. And uh, uh, if you want to lift your hands, lift your hands. You want to dance, dance. You whatever you want to do, it's fine as long as God is moving on your your heart and your mind. It doesn't m- matter. The uh, this morning I actually stood. usually I sit down and I'm praying, Oh God, it's about my turn to come up front. And uh, though I've done this for a long time now, uh, uh, I still am, am uh, enamored with the awesomeness of the responsibility to bring God's word. And when I sit there, I'm usually praying, God, if you are not here when I walk up there, uh, as I said before, we might as well just roll up the tent and, and go eat because my words are nothing unless they're anointed and touched by God. So worship takes place. Worship takes place in the, in, in the message when we're seeking God and we're, we're asking. I, know, I, I don't know um, what your mindset is when you come in here, but I can tell you what it should be. It should be to worship God. That's what we're here for. We're not here to just hear a sermon or to sing songs. We're here to worship and glorify God. That's why we come on Sunday. Um, Billy Graham says this, The late, great Billy Graham says this, the purpose of the Christian society called the church is to first glorify God by our worship. We do not go to church just to hear a sermon. We go to church to worship God. That's what we're here to do, is worship. Worship, I hope, as I speak, that that type of worship for me, when I'm listening, I listen to a lot of messages throughout the week, and I pray that God would wash over me with those messages. That he would search out the iniquities in my life, the shortcomings, or the bare spots, or whatever, and that he would uh, bless me, convict me, and bless me. Sometimes I think, we think conviction, and I've actually been told this before, uh, uh, that, uh, well, I want to come just, I want to feel good when I leave church, always. I don't ever want to uh, feel like I'm doing something wrong. And I, I'm not here, and I haven't heard that. This is a gentleman from, that was going at Living Promise. Because I, I preach the same way I do now, and uh, but the um, just because God is convicting you, that's a part of where I'm not convicting you. That my words, I'm just telling you what God's telling me to tell you. And when the Holy Spirit comes by and convicts you, if you receive that right, that's an act of worship. That's a challenge. God is not convicting you to make you feel uh, lower or, or or to to. Uh, he corrects us with conviction. He steers us with conviction. But he's challenging us and calling us to a deeper place in our love and our relationship for him. That's part of worship, is hearing the message and, and having uh, that fall upon us. It, The second week that we were um, talking about this was why do we worship? Uh, one of the... the the maybe the most prominent reason that I feel we worship, and I'm sure there's pastors that see things differently, but the most prominent reason we worship is because that's what we were created to do, was to worship God. He created us to return his love to him. That is, we are, when we look out at the, the animal kingdom, they cannot worship God. They are creatures of, of instinct. They're creatures of survival. They 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 are out there just trying to make it through life and propel their species into the next generation. They don't have a choice between right or wrong. They do what they do because this is all they know. We being created a little lower than the angels, God created us to, to worship him. He has given us a choice, which took place in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, when they acknowledged uh, they ate from the, the tree of knowledge and the original sin uh, was what caused the, our world to be um, in a state of sin today. I know a lot of times we would think, well, why would they choose that? But any one of us put in that situation would have did the same thing because it's our, it's, our, it's our nature, our, our humanly nature. But um, uh, as we come in, why, we are given a choice free will we can't be mankind without free will and we can't worship without a choice it's not whether or not you are uh, the worship leaders or the or the pastors doing the right job or, or not and we're going to get into this but it's, it's your choice to worship yes there's some that churches that um, probably struggle in areas of worship or preaching or, or what have you but that shouldn't make a difference. That is because you are here, You, when you walk through that door on Sunday morning, you should come with a singular purpose in mind. To worship God. To meet with God in his sanctuary. And to, to come under the sway of his Holy Spirit and power. When we get our hearts in line with that purpose, and I'm going to talk about what happens when we lose that purpose in just a second. But when we get our hearts in line, that's what makes worship happen in a church. That's what changes the atmosphere, is when we all get on the same page about worship. It doesn't matter who stands in the uh, pulpit. It doesn't matter who is on stage. It doesn't matter that um, that what type of music genre that, that we play, or, or that the uh, music minister tries to lead us into worship. Yes, it is Mitchell's job to to lead us into worship. That's what he is called to do. And he does a, a, a good job of that, a great job of that. Uh, We're blessed to have him. Uh, the people, uh, Carly, Dawn, John, uh, the folks that are up here, they take on an awesome responsibility. Uh, Mara, uh, when she's, wh- whoever, I can't remember everybody. If I missed your name, I didn't forget you. I just have... Not working with a lot, so um, the. Uh, uh, but when when they come in, they too have to have that singular uh, uh, thought in mind that uh, we are here to lead people into worship. but We ourselves must first be able to be worshipers. If we're not worshipers, if we're not uh, uh, under the sway of the Holy Spirit, they they can't lead us in there. Um, as I said last week, uh, and and I said earlier in this message, it doesn't matter. How worship manifests itself in your outward appearance—if you sit down, you stand up, your hands are up, you jump around in the pews, or you close your eyes, you open your eyes, you look—that doesn't matter. It's what's in your heart. And I say, I, I do say this. I have this in my notes. It doesn't matter. Our worship should not be dependent upon the preacher that is behind the pulpit or the style or intensity of his preaching. Now it, it does. I like myself personally. I want the preacher to get after me. That's the challenge me. That's what I want. I don't want to just go sit and have somebody stroke my hair back and tell me everything's going to be all right. It's smooth. The, uh, it, it, I heard that, Frank, even way over there, I got you. The, uh. Yesterday they were trying to talk me into the comb-over. And I said, I'm going to do that one of these days because I just want it to go out the window when I'm driving down the road and do that (laughs) deal. i got to try that sooner or later. But but it doesn't matter who is in there. Like I said, I I want to be challenged. And that's what I do for you. I don't yell at you or scold you. I challenge you to dig deeper. The, The deeper you dig into God and his word, the more you will find there is to feast upon there. But I, I, don't, I don't need somebody just to tell me everything's okay because it's not when I walk out that door. I need somebody to challenge me and help me understand that I need to, to come in here and to worship and regroup for the week that is out there. As long, and I put this in here, it, style or intensity is not a deal. As long as the content of their message is firmly rooted in the pure, unadulterated truth and marvelous grace found within the pages of his holy word. If we're up here telling you something that's not his word, that's not worship. That's idol. It's idolatry. Because you're worshiping the preacher if he's not telling you the truth in here. You're not worshiping God. I tell you the truth. That's why. And the truth sometimes hurts, is what it says. But the truth is good for us. Our worship should not be contingent upon our surroundings or our situation that we find ourselves in at any given time. And this is a tough one. And and I I will say, we we go through valleys. We go on mountaintops where it's high and it's easy to worship. And we can praise God and everything. God takes us through seasons where we're in the valley. There are seasons where, uh, as I studied for ministry, uh, Brother Lawrence talks about, and he is a a Christian uh, philosopher from the, I believe, 1600s, if I remember correctly. He talks about the dark night of the soul. And it's not a night when you are um, away from God. It's a place that God takes you and places you, where you feel almost totally abandoned, but you realize you're abandoned in Christ. It's, it's, the, it's kind of the where God brings the rest of the world out of you is one of the best uh, examples. There are sometimes I have felt this in my life where I realize, and I can tell you the day that I realize this. I, I, as I come back and finish my classes and begin to, to to take, knew I was taking a church and become a lead pastor. And um, I, I pulled in to my driveway, and at the bottom of the, the hill at my driveway, I don't know why it was there, but I stopped. And God spoke, and I still remember that Him telling me that there's going to be days when you think you're all by yourself, and it's dark and it's lonely, but I will be here. And those are those times. We go through those times. I have times. I, I shared one this last week in the office with somebody. I can't remember who was in there. But, um, the, uh, and I don't want to go into the whole thing again. But it, it, had, it was just a time where I was dealing with three or four people with, with just tremendous tragedy in their life. And I could share it with a few people, but I just the, the amount of suffering that those three instances uh, encompassed in people's lives. I knew that this is this is a fight for people's lives, not only their spiritual life but their physical lives at times. And uh, it, it was one of the most uh, uh, pressing, uh, heavy weights that I felt upon me. But God brought me through that in worship. James chapter two. James chapter one, verse two says, "My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials." Let me see a raise of hand who enjoys trials and tribulations and asks for them on a regular basis. That's kind of what I thought. The, um, you know, the apostle Paul. If you watch his maturation in the uh, uh, from his Damascus Road experience until he uh, finishes writing his epistles and as he grows, I believe it's in Philippians where he, at first he, he understands and I remember these words of Jesus when uh, Paul was in the um, uh, house when after Jesus had knocked him off the horse and Paul had uh, given his life and, and he was on a street called Straight and Ananias was going in God was telling Jesus was telling Ananias, "You need to go take care of Paul." He says, "You know, Paul, Saul, at that time, he kills us. I don't think this is going to be a good idea." Jesus says, "I'm going to show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake." Suffering and trial and tribulation. It's not always. I will be honest with you. It's not easy to be a Christian. A lot of the time. We don't have it nearly as bad as Paul did. Paul, if you see him when we talk about these uh, trials and, and tribulations, Paul, we watch Paul's uh, uh, growth in his faith and in his maturity um, to the point where uh, when he has been beaten beyond uh, recognition, he, he was beat, I believe, three or four times with 39 lashes, which 40, it was custom to stop at 39 because 40 would kill a person with the lashes. Um, I don't know what, you know, I guess if you died at 39 lashes, then that you were okay. Uh, but uh, Paul went through those things. Paul and Silas are in the jail in the deepest, darkest part of, of the, the inner part of the jail. Him and Silas at midnight are singing hymns. They're worshiping God. They're, they're in the midst of a trial and of a tribul- tribulation, of sorts, we would not even be able to comprehend. Chain between guards. The guards are given specific instructions, and they know if these guys escape, the guards know they are going to be killed. They are going to be executed by the by the rulers, the Roman Empire, because these guys, Paul and Silas, are not uh, uh, popular individuals at this time, and they're 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 in there they're deep and. Midnight, they begin to sing praises in him, thanking God that they would be found worthy to suffer for his name's sake. We don't like the suffering. We don't like the tribulations. But here's one way that you can worship your way out of those places is you realize that you've been elected by God to suffer a little bit. And one of the things that happens in our our Christian church when we lose sight of our, our worship is when we go into those trials and tribulations, We begin to to feel sorry for ourselves. And I'm not saying that at first we begin to to look at those things and we have this reaction, but the Holy Spirit comes to us. And, And at that point, we should be able to worship God through the trial and the tribulation. Because if we can only worship God when we are on the mountain, what good is that? People, that's great when you come in and the Spirit's moving on Sunday and things are happening great in your life. God is there. It's easy when God is there and the hand of blessing is upon you. What people need to know, because if you haven't noticed, generally people don't walk through the door with everything going all right. Most of the time we find God when we are in a valley in our lives, or we've dug a hole that we can't get out. I found God when the preacher asked me in the back of the church, have you ever considered asking Christ in your life? I said, I this is my actual words, I've tried everything else. I might as well give this a shot. Good choice, obviously, 20 some years ago, 6, 7, years, 26, seven years ago. Uh, but that's where I found God, and God brought me up out of that pit and blessed me. I've been in the pit several times since then just to, to learn and to, to focus upon God. A lot of times when we're going through things, God is trying to pull worship out of us because in this nation one of our biggest problems is, is we get complacent when things are going well. This is why we don't have the revivals and the things that we see in the third world countries or uh, in other places because it, we are and can be self-sufficient. We're not asking God to feed us every day. And if he doesn't feed us every day, we won't get to eat that day. We don't have a problem with not having a, a clean water to drink. We, think about this. the third world countries, they're drinking out of the thing, the, some of these little kids. More kids... Die. I think, believe it's 75 or 80% of children in third world countries die from waterborne illnesses than anything else. We don't even like to drink out of the hose because we taste the rubber in it. Most of us, I hear people, I see people, Ooh. We, the, we, uh, think about this though. We, <laughs> we have people that won't even drink out of the faucet. They have to have a bottle of water. In uh, what, pure water? I'm like, water's water, right? Isn't it? I mean, you look up. If it's not got stuff floating in it, drink it. I mean, well, maybe not. But the uh, but, this, but just think of how complacent we become. I look. I I don't know where my water went. The uh, I might be in a third world country without. Water. No, I'm not. That's not even nice. But I I even have a cozy with a little heart on it. That's what I drink water out of with my name. And we have, and I'm going to take a drink of water. Are you guys thirsty? I am. Okay. We'll take a little water break. See how tasty that is? Much of the world doesn't have that. When we are in these trials, I said, as I said, I believe the purpose. Many times, God puts us there to refocus our attention upon Him and to teach us how to worship. We worship best as we're coming out of a trial or a tribulation. When God has done a fresh, new work in our lives and we see His hand present in our lives, that's when our worship. When we lose our worship, I talk about Lucifer, I'm trying to keep track. I know I've gone over it for the last two weeks. And uh, I'm trying to be good. So you might want to pray. Um, But think about this. I, I want to jump back and I want to look at this passage of Scripture. This is when Lucifer... I want you to understand who Lucifer was. There are three archangels written about in the Bible. Three of the most powerful angels. And Lucifer is one of them. We have Gabriel, who is the messenger. He would bring messages from God back and forth to the, through the spiritual realms. Michael is the archangel. He is the one who, who makes war. in Daniel, when um, again makes war against the, uh, the, uh, the principalities in, in heavenly places and in dark places, he's the one in Daniel when... Uh, uh, Daniel prayed, I can't remember right, it just escapes me why he was praying, but he was praying for this uh, trial that he was in, and he wasn't getting the answer that uh, he needed quickly enough, and it actually took 21 days is what the scriptures say. And when he got there, because Daniel was a devout man, there's only uh, um, two, three people in the Bible that there's not a negative word written about, Joseph, Daniel, and Enoch, there's not one negative thing written about the three of those individuals. Daniel was an upstanding, righteous man. His prayers got answered. That's why he survived the lion's den when he got thrown in there. This particular time he's praying, the angel gets there 21 days, and Daniel's like, you know, what's the holdup? That's not, that's the Pastor Tony's version. That's not King James if you didn't notice that. But the, uh, you know, what, what took so long? Where, where, and he says... To, the angel says to him, I was at war with the king of Persia. It took me 21 days to fight through this thing to get to you. There's a spiritual battle that takes place that is unseen to us. And sometimes we get in the mire and we get... We, there's an angel, when you're praying, there's, God says that in his very word, he says he would give the angels charge over us. I believe we have angels looking over us. I believe we entertain angels more often than we think. In... The heavenly realms, the physical realm. I believe we run into angels way more often than what we think. But we do have an angel that looks over us. I don't know if we each have our own individual guardian angel. God's got that taken care of. I just trust that he's he's kept me alive on several occasions, so it works. Believe it. The um um, but there is a battle out there for your soul. And Lucifer, this—he's the third angel. He's the angel that was in charge of worship in heaven. That was his job in heaven. Listen to this description in Ezekiel. And this is, the, 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 the Lord has given Ezekiel a word to pronounce against uh, the city of Tyre. But it is also a foreshadowing of Lucifer. It's a description of Lucifer, the angel. And it says, um, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre. And saying to him, thus says the Lord, it says, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the burl, the the onyx, the jasper, the, the sapphire, the turquoise, and the emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and your pipes was prepared for you on the day that you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery storms. You were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created until iniquity was found in you. Lucifer was perfect in his creation. He was made to bring worship. He was the worship director for all of heaven. We read in, in Revelations, the type of revelation. I always say Revelations. It's not. It's one revelation, not a series. But we, we, we read in there and we see the, I, I opened with the, the series with the uh, fifth chapter of Revelations and, and we see the, the elders from 12 from the tribe of, the 12 tribes of Israel, 12 from the apostles that are there, uh, the creatures that are built around him. Isaiah talks in, in Jesus chapter 6 about the seraphim which fly with six wings one covering their eyes because god is so holy they can't look upon him one they're they're covering their feet because that would be uh uh, um what's the word i'm looking for disrespectful to be in the temple with your feet one holds uh, and they sing holy 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 lord god of hosts lord god almighty holy holy that's what they do lucifer is put in charge of this type of worship he has, he is a beautiful angel. He can worship like we've never dreamed of worshiping. Your best day of worship in a church or at a concert or in your car or in your truck or at the piano or keyboards, your best day wouldn't even come close to what worship is like in heaven and like Lucifer brought before the king. So what happened, you say? And I'm glad you ask because I was going to tell you anyways. Lucifer lost sight of his worship and it got misdirected. Lucifer got very good at worship. We see this happen all the time in churches. The worship leaders and the worship music becomes the object of our worship. Happens all the time. We will allow things to go amok as long as things, the worship stays good. We will put up with a lot of baloney as long as the worship music is good. I don't because I am under the conviction of God that God is more important than good music. And I don't want to deal with what happens when you disobey God because I've dealt with that before. Obedience is a much better way to go. Lucifer lost sight of the object of his worship, which was God. And he began to exalt himself. The passage of Scripture that we read is Lucifer saying, hey, in my Pastor Tony's paraphrase Bible version, I'm pretty good at this stuff. I can do this on my own. I don't need your help no more, God. I'm good. I'm going to bring myself up over top of you. I'm going to run the show now. This happens all the time because we lose sight of who we're supposed to be worshiping. You can't have true worship if you worship anything other than the creator and sustainer of this world in the heavens above. If you're worshiping for any other reason, you're involved in idolatry. You must worship God. That's all. And, and We say, well, it's okay in this nation to go and, and worship. I'm not here. I, I'm all for freedom of religion in our country. You can worship whatever you want, and you can do that. I believe, and I say this, and I want you to listen very carefully. I believe... There's a lot of ways to get to Jesus, but there's only one way to get to God in reconciliation and salvation, and that is through Jesus. We have Islam we have uh the, 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 the um, Muslims we have Buddhists, we have Hindus, we have uh, uh, Mormons we have a uh, seventh day in and, 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 uh um, who's the ones that are always at my house? Jehovah's Witnesses. The uh, I go out and talk to them, so they they come. I invite them here, but I don't think they can come in our building, right? Or something like that. I said, we'll I have Bible study. We we'll sit down the, uh, and talk. They go get their husbands and bring them back. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Yeah, uh, but the but they. It, and I mean, they're looking and I talk to them and I, and I ask questions. I say, yeah, I got questions. I'll come down. I get Watchtower every month. They still bring it. I look at it and I think, hey. it, but it, it, and I'm not trying to be mean, but th- that I believe that as they search that the Holy Spirit can work with that and he can draw them towards Jesus. We have a spirit, a deposit of God's spirit in our hearts. It says this in, in Colossians. He, the seal of ownership. There's a, We don't worship on our own. We're not drawn back to God on our own or out of our own good intentions. It's because He's put a, a piece of Himself in us. And I've always viewed it as a magnet to the Holy Spirit. And when God's name is lifted up, and the Holy Spirit is is filling us, and when we are worshiping in spirit and in truth, as Jesus talked to the woman at the well and said that God desires people. Who are worshiping in spirit and in truth. If these people are searching for the truth, God will give them the truth. That's a good spot to say amen for everybody. Look like deer in the headlights this morning. Put some extra coffee in that kettle back here, Tina, when you make it make it really strong so they wake up. Maybe pour some of those five hour energy shots in there next week. I'm not cold. Oh, I'm sorry. Just stand up and hoot and holler like I do, and I'm sweating now. So, Anyways, so there is, he draws us, and that worship comes back. Now I go through these discussions with people, but I believe one of the the biggest problems we have in the church today, in this nation, and the reason we're in the place we are, is because we've lost sight. Of who we worship that's why this place is a mess with people thinking that if the government can take care of this government can't they can't even tie their shoes without arguing over something well maybe I I, I was witnessing to a kid and he told me money's the answer a couple weeks ago I just made more money I said if you made more money you'd want more money because you'd spend more money money's not the object that doesn't make things right in your life. You'd still be miserable and I'd still be talking to you and you'd still be groaning and moaning. We think changing history a lot. I forget what uh, pickle I'm going to have to have a discussion. I need to have another dinner with the school officials and because uh, she was telling me about a Certain teacher that uh, they wouldn't let them use uh, Donald Trump in any of their projects uh, because he wasn't an established president, you know, historical figure yet. Oh, he's historical. <laughs> I can tell you that. There ain't never been anybody like that dude before. I don't, I'm not telling you which way to vote or whatever, but I'm just saying. I said, really? Should you should maybe give me her name and I'll come in on, uh, you know, parent grandpa day or whatever that it is so I can straighten that but the but, but in doc, changing history, teaching our kids to, to, to accept everything that the world is offering them it, that's not the answer the answer, and here's the deal we've lost sight of our worship I say this often culture has changed the church the church hasn't changed the culture, obviously. We've watered it down. We've, we've gotten away from our true desire to worship God. We, we want to hear things like the gentleman said, I just want to feel good when I leave church. Well, here's a good news for you, that if you believe in the truth and you worship the truth that is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, you go to heaven. I, don't have, I can't give you cotton candy and, and, and fairy dust every week when you come in here and tell you that you're going to be all right. Because if you don't believe in the truth that's written in the Bible, the devil's gonna kick your teeth down your throat and you're gonna go to hell. We don't wanna hear about hell. That's a part of, you you should celebrate, because when we lose sight of our worship, this is why we've lost sight of hell. Because there's a contrast here. We couldn't, it goes back to the choice, we couldn't worship without a contrast. Well, if everything's going to be good and everybody's gonna go to heaven and everything's gonna work out fine, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is everything's not going to heaven. Everything's not all right. God, and, and, and I had this discussion. I have a lot of discussions. It's kind of what I do. But the, I have this discussion, and they're like, "Well, why would God send anybody to hell?" I said, "God doesn't send anybody to hell. You choose to go to hell because here's the. the this is the way out. This is the key to the kingdom of heaven. And you don't have to understand it front and back. You just got to believe it's true." And believe that jesus died for you he jesus desires god desires that no one go it says in the most famous scripture probably in all of it that god sent his only begotten son so that none should perish but all should have everlasting life believe in jesus it's that easy worship jesus worship the fact that he sent his only begotten son to die on a cross to pay the, the price for sin that there's no possible way we could ever pay because we none of us are even close to perfect. Jesus went and he did that. That's why we worship God and that's the only way out of this world alive. And that's the only thing that will fix this nation is another great awakening. What will a great awakening have? I don't think will fix the nation because I'm read right the back of the book. I think we'll have a, another great awakening and people will get saved there will be an outpouring because Joel says it in his book that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. I believe there will be another move of the Holy Spirit like we've never seen before and I believe it started and I've said this often because when you look in the, the box office at the number of movies that are Christian movies and you see on tell we have a, a show I think, on, I don't know if it's still on, I never watched it, but there's a show on TV called Lucifer. there's a war going on, it's right there in front of us I don't know why we don't see it. I can only imagine the greatest worship song ever written is on in movies and out in uh, Blu-ray or whatever they come out in now, I don't know. The, uh, I can't figure out how to run my VCR unless my grandkids are there. So the, But think about this. When you see this stuff, there is a battle for the soul of this nation. There is a battle for the soul of your children, your family. And it, it, it is raging on. And when we regain our sight of worship and the church begins to stand up and, and glorify God and, and is not afraid to give their testimony, is not afraid to talk about Jesus in their schools, to their kids, to their teachers, and, and we become worried, less worried about what would happen if we did share Christ in a situation where we're told by the government, you know who's in charge of the government, right? The enemy runs the government. Not Donald Trump, is not the enemy. Don't go out down that road. But the politics, I, I don't really believe we were ever designed for politics. I believe we were designed to follow God in his word. Politics has corrupted what we were supposed to do. Donald Trump is not perfect, I'm not saying that. But he's the first man with cojones enough to stand up to, and I suppose that's probably, we'll make the sermon this week, but um, to stand up to the establishment and do something. And we do need to pray for him. And we do need to even pray for the left side because God commanded us to do that. You don't get to pick and choose. You do what God says. But any of those things will not fix this nation. Only God's mighty hand of blessing will fix this nation. What happens when we lose one of the biggest things that happened is the same thing that happened to Lucifer. When we lose sight of our worship and who we worship we put ourselves in his place. That's what Lucifer did. He said, I I got this. I can handle this. I I got it all figured out. I'm, I'm going to be greater than God. When we pull ourselves away from the worship, and I don't know if I've correctly throughout this series impressed it firmly enough on your heart that the depth of worship I'm talking about. I'm not just talking about walking in, sitting down, saying, amen, and going back out. I'm talking about letting God stir in your heart. I'm talking about thinking about this the rest of the week. A.W. Tozer says, if you don't worship on Monday, like you did on Sunday, I doubt that you worship at all. If you don't carry out this blessing, if you don't carry out this word, this, this passion, this, this fire that you get when you're in here on Monday morning, you didn't get touched by worship. And it's not because God didn't bring worship. It's because you weren't prepared or you weren't looking for it, or you were complacent or whatever, and I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm saying, you show up here with your game face on to worship God. And you lift up his name, and you testify to what he's doing. I don't, people talk to me about, when I teach and Disciple about um, witnessing and sharing the gospel. Out there. I don't go out, and, and I know Bible verses and everything. I don't That's not my first approach. My first approach is to tell them what God has done in my life and why I love Jesus and and not be afraid to use the name of Jesus. That's a big deal out there. Well, if I say Jesus, they'll think I'm a Jesus freak. Well, you should be a Jesus freak. If he saved your life and you're not going to hell and he's taught you how to love and he's he's blessing your life, wouldn't you want to be a Jesus freak? That's another good spot for an amen. Making me work. We get things, as I said, we get things out of perspective and we think we can handle this when things are going good and we lose sight of our worship. Jesus said this in Luke 10. He had sent the 70 out. They come back rejoicing at the power they had in Jesus, in in the name of Jesus. That they went out and they healed the sick, they cast out demons, they did miracles on top of that. Jesus says this. Then the 70 return with joy saying, Lord even the demons are subject to us in your name. This is Jesus' caution to us and to them. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He was there when Satan was cast out of heaven back in the Old Testament. He knew and was there. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. Nevertheless, when he says nevertheless or truly, this is when you need to really listen. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. Do not rejoice in this power that I've given you. That it says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, The spirits that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice, because your names are written in heaven. It's not about what we do here. Those are blessings. Those are That worship, it's about the fact, rejoice in worship because your name is written in heaven. Because that's the only way you get out of here alive. That means I don't spend eternity in a lake of burning fire. I think the greatest torment that people will face when and if they do fall away from God and go to hell will be the fact that they will know I could have been in heaven. That haunts me. I don't know what that does for you. The only way we can handle that is because God says he wipes away every tear and all the pain when we get there. I could not live in heaven wondering what my kids or my neighbors might be experiencing down there. If I would have only listened to Dad, if I only listened to Mom, I could have been there. I can't imagine if God didn't wipe away the tears from our eyes what we would be thinking when we were there. I could have did this or I could have did that. Maybe if I said this or gone here or spent more time with them or or whatever. Don't let that be your regret. Let me tell you what will get your children saved. Your family saved. Worship God. Worship Him with complete abandon. And they'll say, oh dad, you're weird. My kids... Or or mom, you're weird. My kids sometimes think that. But my kids come to me and ask me questions that they know about the answer. It's in their heads and in their hearts. They just haven't surrendered to it. I stand on the promises that say when you train up a child in the way that they should go, that when they were old, they will not depart from it. I stand on that promise. I worship God because of that promise. He says if you're obedient and you worship me and you hold me at the high level that I'm called to, I will take care of you. I will look out for your family. If you can't worship because God is God, worship for the fact that he has everything. It says the little kids sing the song. We would do well to sing some of these songs. He's got the whole world in his hands. All the little children, I can't sing it because I can't remember how it goes, but I know what's in there. Red, yellow, black or white, All are precious in His sight. If we would open our minds to that and we would worship God for who He is and live in that confidence that He's got this thing. Music team, you can come forward, please. Listen to this quote from John Ortenberg. about why we need to worship. He says, I need to worship because without it, I can forget that I have a big God besides me and live in fear. I need to worship because without it, I can forget his calling and begin to live in a spirit of self-preoccupation. How often do we see that? I need to worship because without it I lose a sense of wonder and gratitude and plod through life with blinders on. How often do we do that? I need to worship because my natural tendency is towards self-reliance and stubborn independence. When we lose our worship, we enter into very... Dangerous territory. When we lose sight of our worship and who we worship, we open ourselves up. We become sitting ducks for the enemy to come in. There's nothing that cleanses the evil out of your life like worshiping God. Think about that when you come under attack. And I know it's hard sometimes. I know some people have physical problems. I know some people are addicted. I know some people's kids are driving them crazy and you're fearful for their lives. I know that there's financial difficulties and needs. I know that we pray for people all the time because they are are, are stricken with some sort of illness, maybe even dying. I know that there's heavy-duty things coming. And I know that the enemy comes on the heels of that. To to just hold us down and, and, and keep us from worshiping. But can you worship in spite of those things? Because when you can, God will reveal himself to you. He, don't quit worshiping before he performs the miracle in your life that he wants to perform. We are all miracles over and over again waiting to happen. Waiting to bring glory into his life. He likes us to worship. He likes to bless us because when that happens and we raise our hands to heaven, he gets delight out of that. He loves us. How? Which one of you that has kids or grandkids or great-grandkids doesn't like doing wonderful things with your children, doesn't like seeing the little accomplishments they make? The first day of school. Cheerleading. Cheerleading football, these type of things. Just little things that just thrill us to death to watch our kids. How much more does our God in heaven delight when we win? When we worship? Last quote. Tim Keller says this. He said, We are not called, we are called not to simply communicate the gospel to non believers. We must also intentionally celebrate the gospel before them. One of the reasons we have problems evangelizing is because we don't celebrate. When you hit that door, You ought to be fired up for the week. I try to make it so my sermons don't suck. So They try to be a little inspirational and and challenge you. When you hit that door, you should should be on fire for God. You should see the things that are happening around you. You should hear these miracles and testimonies that that we share. Come on a Wednesday night. We had a, a family walk in here. They called me and wanted to come on a Wednesday night. He said, we don't have a Wednesday night service at our church. The Holy Spirit fell in this place. You guys are missing out. I'm just telling you. The Spirit of God was here. We were singing the old rugged cross. You want to come sing old hymns? Come to uh, Wednesday night. God just moves. And and singing, I look up in this family, every one of them are weeping. God's moving. We have to celebrate the gospel. Would you go out of here belly aching because, oh, I didn't think the worship was very good today. Or, oh, I didn't like pastor's message. Or, oh, somebody ticked me off because they wore the same shirt as I. I don't know why you go out complaining or whatever. Pastor's shirt was way too bright today. I couldn't concentrate. Oh, you went over 5 or 10 or 15 minutes or whatever. And people hear that. Go out there celebrating. Man. We come in here today. Pastor was fired up. Music was was awesome. The spirit was here. We gave the devil hell today in that place. Now we're ready to go out here and kick some tails more. That's what draws people to it. Build a fire and people will come. If they see the fire burning, if they see the light in your heart and mind, if they see you on Wednesday still aglow from the worship that took place on Sunday and people start looking at you like you're some sort of nutbag and they wonder what's wrong with you and you tell them, I got Jesus in my heart, I'm on fire, we had this thing going on church, the Holy Spirit Well, you need to get to church and let God touch your life. When you can praise God in the midst of your storm, people say, what is wrong with you? Why are you happy that you have this or that or this or that going on? And you say, because I know Jesus has it all under control. I know that he's the answer, that he's going to lead me out, that he's going to heal me, that as long as I stay focused on him and my path to heaven, he will take care of these things for me. I don't need to be anxious for anything because my God runs my show. Amen. Let's stand. Let's just not sing to close the service and to go on our way. Let's worship God. Let's ask him for a blessing. Let's ask him for more than what we contain. Let him light us up and fill us up with the power of his Holy Spirit. Let us let us let him carry us out those doors into a lost in dying world and let us be the light take the heed that scripture that says you don't light a candle and stick it under a bushel basket you light a candle and you stick it out on the hillside you put a city you put lights on it that's why we light the church up like we do out here yes it costs money to have lights going all the time and I thank you for paying those bills but I want people to see the steeple I don't take the steeple or the cross down from the church Like a lot of people suggest, oh, it's too churchy. I'm trying to have church, so I like it when it's too churchy. So I want people to see that God is in this place and that we still believe in the cross and that we still believe in His Word and that we still worship. That we're not trying to to hide or or, 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 or put on some front. We're here to worship God and to follow God and to allow Him to bless us and lead us. That's why we're here. Sing like we mean that. i got to quit or I'm going to keep preaching all day. So I'm going to just go sit down. You guys worship. I'm going to go recover. You know, Romans 5.8 says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we, when we worship, when we sing, we're not singing to a God who, who waited to risk something until we had all come around to what he was wanting. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. When I sing, I sing to the God who sacrificed everything without waiting for me to come around. And I invite you to sing with that, with that same adoration, that same sense of wonder, knowing that even though there are a lot of people who never will love God back, he still sacrificed it all mm-hmm. for them. Bow our head. Father, I thank you today for allowing me to worship you. For looking past my sins and my failures, the places where I've been disobedient, the places where I lose sight, the places, the valleys that I get in and and I complain and I bellyache about, Father I pray that you wash those things from me and I know you do and I pray this prayer not just for me but everybody that sits in this place today or stands in this place. Father that we, we come and we just are, we are so grateful that you would even allow us to come and we couldn't come. had not you sent your son, we, we praise the name of Jesus in this place. Father, we will never in here remove a cross, or or, or skirt around the name of Jesus, or the fact that we need to to have forgiveness of our sins to get to heaven, the fact that if we don't find Christ, or or accept Christ, I should say, because he's not lost, we are, but accept his gift of salvation. If we don't accept that gift, Father, I will never tell anybody they will be okay, because they won't, because that's the only way to get to heaven. Your son said in the Gospel of John, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That gives us a purpose to worship you. To worship the name which is above all other names. The name of Jesus. Father, this morning I just feel you placing it on my heart. Lord, there's people here that are, are, are struggling in worship. To worship, I should say. They have things going on in relationships, their children are are holding them, uh, uh, are hard to deal with right now, the the choices they're making. Uh, Father, there are young people in here that are faced with those choices, uh, Lord, that they gather as they go out into this world. There are people probably here today that have never truly tasted your gift of salvation, And today I would pray with them. And if you need to pray this prayer, if you you feel like you've slipped away from God, maybe you've lost sight of your worship, maybe you've never been saved and and you don't know what it is like to know God, to know Christ, to know forgiveness, to feel this, this power of worship that I've talked about today, I want you to pray this prayer with me. I won't embarrass you, I won't make you come forward, I won't make you raise your hands. I believe that if God has really spoken to you, you will come and seek me out or seek out one of our prayer partners and talk to them. And don't ever be shy about that because we want to hear from you and walk with you. But Pray this prayer if you need you. Say, Lord Jesus, I know that I've sinned. I know that I've fallen short of the calling that you've placed on my life and I've, I've fell back away from your word. i fell back away from worshiping. Or, Father, I, I never knew you. I haven't even accepted you into my life yet. And I ask for your forgiveness. And I believe this day that you will forgive me of all of my sin and wash me as white as snow by the blood that was stained that stained the cross from your son Jesus when he hung there and died for my sins. I believe today that that was for me and I will repent which means to turn and go a different way and I will follow you from this day forward to the best of my ability. And I know that you will cast my sins as far as the east is from the west and remember them no more. I know that now today as I pray this prayer, I am a new creature in Christ, a new creation in Christ. I've been reborn of the Spirit of God and I have the hope of heaven in my future and for my eternity. And... When I die in this world, I won't really die. I will just change addresses from the world to the kingdom of heaven. I believe if you prayed that prayer and you understand that prayer, you're back in the fold. I don't believe you've ever really lost. out of, God doesn't kick us in and out of the fold, but he brings us back in and he loves us and he cherishes us and he binds up our wounds and our hurts. And he brings worship into our lives. I believe that if you didn't know Christ, you are a new creation and that you are under the mighty hand and the mighty love of God. Father, I pray that we go out and as Tozier said in that comment, that we worship tomorrow just as hard as we worship today. Because if we don't, we probably didn't. Father, help us to worship, to glorify, to honor, to lift up your name. I pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.